Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. In Joshua 3, 7, you remember, you ought to know it by heart by now. The Lord said, this day, this day, I will make you great in the sight of all Israel. You've been great in my sight for a long time. In fact, 40 plus years ago, when everybody else wanted to kill you after you made your first speech, I thought you were wonderful. In fact, I made a promise to you over 40 years ago that I fully intend to bring to pass, and that is I'm going to bring you into the land of promise. And along with my servant Caleb and your families, you will not miss what I promised you over 40 years ago. That word will not come back to me empty or void. And so, um, knowing that God always honors his word, he began to talk to them about what was up next. He said, I'm going to make you great. Now I will give you the same esteem with which they saw my servant Moses, which was awesome. Now he had heard that and been taught that all his life because of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, let's go to hold your place there in Deuteronomy 8. And um, I want you to listen to these words again out of Genesis 12. Because we're talking, as I promised, about the manifestation of the blessing of Abraham. We talked about for weeks, please do not get out of balance and think that the blessing of Abraham is all about um, external blessings. It is not. It doesn't begin there. It certainly doesn't end there. That's not the heart of it. And uh, I'm only going there because we're trying to investigate fully what the blessing of Abraham includes. Because i got to tell you that I know a whole lot of wealthy people who don't have a bit of real wealth. They have based their life's security on what they've been able to accumulate. And they are of all men most poor. If you believe that your life and its well-being is in the hands of what you can accumulate, you are deceived. Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, what have you done? What have you accomplished? And so, please understand that the blessing of Abraham begins, originates on the inside. And Abraham believed God and it was put into his account as right standing, as righteousness. The greatest blessing there is the heart of the blessing of Abraham is to be put in right standing with God, received by faith. And so we've seen that. God told him in Genesis 12, I'm going to bless you and make your name great, and in you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Now turn over to your New Testament. I know, don't, don't leave Deuteronomy chapter 8. New Testament to Galatians 3 and 
Put something there in your place because, uh, in that place, because remember that for weeks we have been documenting to whom does the blessing of Abraham belong? Well, the heirs of Abraham. Many believe wrongly that the blessing of Abraham ended in the Old Testament and with the coming of Jesus. But the, but the, the truth is that the blessings of Abraham were lived up to and perpetuated through Jesus Christ. Not terminated, but perpetuated. And in Galatians chapter 3, we see in verse 7 that those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Everybody say it with me. Since I am of faith, I'm in Abraham's family of faith. Look at verse 9. Those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Everybody say it with me. I have the blessing of Abraham because I am of faith. Look at verse 29. If you are Christ's, do you belong to Christ? Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Say it with me. I'm an heir of Abraham's promise. So my question to you several weeks ago was, if you are Abraham's seed, if the promise God made him belongs to you, if you are an heir to that promise, wouldn't it make sense to find out what the word says is the promise? So what we have started doing here is we talked about for weeks the internal blessing of the seed of Abraham. You have been put in right standing through faith and God now sees you as sons and daughters. And if sons and daughters, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you something? Wouldn't you be predisposed to show your heirs your blessing as opposed to just wasting it and casting it out there for nothing? Wouldn't you? Well, three of us are. <laughs> God sees you the same way, your sons and daughters. And he had a whole lot rather his sons and daughters experience his blessing than for it to just be thrown out there for a world that doesn't care about it anyway. Well, what we're trying to document now is just what areas of life does that blessing of Abraham have to do with? We've talked about our right standing with God. He sees us, Ephesians 1, holy, righteous, blameless, beloved, accepted, forgiven, heirs of his. We, we've, we've seen that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He's given us identity. He's given us ability. He's given us favor. We have a high priest who is right now praying for us. We, we have access 24-7 to the throne of God. We've talked over and over again, you can never exhaust it, the blessings of Abraham in our inner man. We've talked about how it will open doors of opportunity for you. We've looked at Abraham, we've looked at Isaac, we've looked at Jacob, we've looked at Moses, we've looked at David, we've looked at Daniel, we've looked at the apostles. We've we, Listen, there are doors that God's favor can open for you that you can't open in a lifetime. God can do more for you by sundown today than you could have done in the last 60 years. The favor of God in you and on you is a wonderful thing. But you need to understand that you're not trying to get the favor of God, that if you are in Christ, you already have the favor of God. 
And what we've got to learn to do is have our hearts open to the truth and abide in that truth, knowing that that truth is what is going to set us in that place of freedom and uh, understanding of who we are and what we have in Christ. So, having said all that, let's go now to Deuteronomy 8.1, and I have, I have introduced this for the last couple of weeks, saying, does the Lord, is, is there sufficient reason to believe that the blessing of Abraham would have to do not only with your inner standing and your outer opportunity, but your, but your life's resources? Would it have to do, can it affect uh, your income, your investments, that which you need to operate? And uh, I go back to Genesis chapter 12, and the promise God made Abraham was, I am going to bless you so that you will become a what? Do you, you need to understand this, that in the heart of God's um, blessing, it, he's not interested in lakes. God has, he, he has no interest in you being a lake or a pond. He wants you to be a river. He wants, I believe that there's nothing God won't get to you if he knows he can get it through you. That's a word there. Not interested in a reservoir but a river. And God desires his children, his prize investments of his love to be vehicles through which that blessing flows. I am blessing you so you can be a blessing. But I got to tell you, it's kind of difficult to be a blessing if you don't even have enough to operate. And so, let's look at some of the promises here. Let's go to the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy and uh, look at verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you shall be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which God promised, swore to your fathers. Now, what fathers are we talking about? Who were the fathers he was talking about? All right, go back to chapter 6. Hold your place there, chapter 6, Deuteronomy. So it shall be when, you're, when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So understand that the fathers he's talking about here begins with who? Abraham. All right, understand that the land God promised Abraham that he would have forever and it would be a blessing for him and his seed after him. Understand now, verse 2, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Whew, what an awesome word here. 
What was the purpose of the wilderness experience even though the people chose to wander those 40 years by their own choices? What was God trying to do? Look at it again. That I may humble you to do good to you in the end. You know what God's saying? What you were going through these 40 years was to remove from you the tendency to trust and rely in your own self. What I did this was, the purpose was to let you know that you didn't achieve or accomplish this for yourself. This is something that I had in store for you that you receive by grace through faith out of your obedience. And I want, you need to understand that it wasn't you that accomplished this. So I humbled you for 40 years. You know, I believe they're spo- I'm supposed to speak a word to somebody today. Oh, Spirit of God. The proportion of blessing is in direct correlation to the length of the wait and the difficulty of the journey. Thank you, Spirit of God. The proportion of the blessing that awaits you is in direct correlation to the duration of the wait and the difficulty of the journey. So God is saying, don't forget that I led you these 40 years in the wilderness. I already knew what was in your heart. Verse 2, you needed to know what was in your heart. That testing brought to the surface things that you didn't know about yourself that were going to impede your ability to understand and lay hold of my blessing. So I let you go through that wilderness experience to let you know that you had areas that you were relying on yourself. So he says again in verse 3, he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. I let you experience extreme discomfort and I fed you with manna. Everybody say it with me. Manna is God's faithfulness, but it's just enough. Manna was just enough to sustain them so they weren't destroyed. But that was never God's long-term plan. Say it with me. The land of just enough is not my long-term journey. If I were you, I wouldn't be satisfied with always living in the land of just enough. But understand that, listen, survival is good, but it's not the manifestation of the blessing of Abraham so you can be a blessing. Because if all you're doing is focusing on your own survival, there's not a whole lot of ministering to others that you can do. All right, now, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You need to understand that it is my word that gives you life. My word 
that gives you life. Now, notice what he says there in verse 4. Even though you wandered through the wilderness, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. My goodness, walking around out there in that desert. You shall know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. I'm not treating you like an enemy or a stranger. I am disciplining you for your own good. Therefore, verse 6, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. It's not this desert. The desert was necessary. There are things that you are learning out there that are necessary, but the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains, springs, wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. How much of that had they seen in the wilderness? And where were they before they were in the wilderness? In the land of Egypt. How long did they stay in Egypt? How about a measly 430 years? You ever stayed that long anywhere? <laughs> if you are, you're dead and don't know it. All right, now. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity and you will lack what? Nothing. Nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Everybody say it with me. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God is the source. Beware, verse 11, don't forget the Lord's teachings, his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Look at verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwelt in them. My Lord, how many of those did they have in the wilderness? Did they own their own homes in Egypt or were they slaves? Can you imagine the dynamic that the Lord is introducing them to here today? No scarcity, fertile land, build your own home and dwell in your own home. Can you imagine what an unbelievable promise that was to these people? A tangible resource that God was promising them was going to be theirs in the land of Canaan, which he swore to Abraham <clears throat> My goodness, beware, verse 12, that after you've done that and dwelt in these homes and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied. By the way, what did herds and flocks represent to them? It represented their livelihood, their, their own wealth. Does silver and gold sound like something you could invest or barter or exchange or something valuable? And all that you have is what? Verse 13. Your herds, your flocks, your silver, your gold, and all that you have is what? Don't let your heart be lifted up and forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Don't shift your focus onto the blessing. Keep your focus on the blessor. Remember that it was he that brought you out of this great and terrible wilderness 
in all that you experienced through the serpents and scorpions and the thirst, the lack. He brought water for you out of a rock. He made a way for you when there was no way. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that nobody had ever seen before. He humbled you. He tested you to do good to you in the end, verse 16. Everybody say it with me. Whatever I'm going through, whatever I don't get quick exit from, God is at work to do good to me in the end. He said, don't say in your heart when all these things start coming your way, it is, verse 17, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Look at verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, let's get a definition of biblical wealth. He just was telling them about what he was going to do and it was absolutely different than anything they'd seen. Wealth is more than you need for the purpose of being a blessing. More than you need for the purpose of being a blessing. But I got news for you people. Let's get right down to it. Most Christians today don't have a clue of what they need. Most Christians today don't have a clue of what they need. You don't live in Africa. You live in the United States of America. You have a culture that your needs, if, by living in this culture and by having certain responsibilities, you understand that wealth is, a, is not an objective term. It's subjective. It's more than you need for the purpose of fulfilling the assignment God's given you to be a blessing. Do you need... Shelter. Do you need food? Do you need clothing? Do you have to have certain things in this culture like electricity? Natural gas, water. Do you have to, in the society that you live in that is so mobile, do you have to have transportation? And do you have to provide the fuel for that transportation. Yes or no? Would it be a godly thing for you to do to have resources so that if the Lord says to you that there's a need he wants you to mate, would it be a godly thing for you to do to be a vehicle through which that need can be met? So you're going to need some reserves. I mean, if everything you've got is to operate, then you can't do a special assignment that the Lord would ask you to do, now can you? Would it be a good and godly thing for you to be able, when you go, to leave something to your descendants and uh, for them to be able to say, this is a gift from God through my parents? Would that be a good thing to do? So are you telling me that you need more than just to operate, that you need some reserves? 
that you need some investments to fully do what the Abrahamic covenant said to do, and that is I want you to be a blessing. Do you need insurance in this culture? Yes or no? I mean, there are people who are out of balance out there who say, well, I don't need insurance, I just trust God. Well, you need to start trusting God to give you some money to get you some insurance. You know why? It's wonderful to trust God, but one of the ways you should trust God is to keep the devil from stealing from you. I had medical bills of over a million dollars in my son's journey. And some people say, well, you should have just trusted God for that. I did. He gave me the money for insurance. So that I was not financially still owing the rest of my life to a medical provider. Does that make sense to you? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You just need to be wise sometimes so that the devil can't steal God's resources from you. You need a whole lot more than you just think you do on the surface. Some of you need to expect. You see, if you believe Philippians 4.19, my God will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. One reason why many of you may be living way below the blessing God wants you to have is because you have set your faith level at at a need level that is really not accurate. It's too low. Would it be God's highest and best for you? Listen, can you think? Let's just be practical here for a minute. Is it God's highest and best for you to tithe? All right, how much is that off the gross income? Is it God's will for you to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and and to God the things that are God's? All right, that's somewhere between 15 and 35 to 50%. My Lord. So you've got a minimum of 25% for tithe and taxes right there that in God's economy you're not supposed to live off of. What I'm trying to tell you is many believers have never really stopped and thought about where they are And because they believe God meets all my needs, they're living way below what they really need. And you don't have sometimes because you don't ask. Look at verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if you don't obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, cursed in the country, cursed in your netting bowl, cursed in your basket, cursed in the fruit of your body. Cursed 19, you shall be when you come in, cursed when you go out. The Lord will send cursing, confusion, rebuke, and all you set your hand to, verse 20. The Lord will make the plague cling to you, verse 21. The Lord will strike you with consumption, fever, inflammation, severe burning, 
the sword, scorching, mildew. You'll be pursued. The heavens will be bronze, verse 23. There won't be any rain. Your land will turn to powder and dust. Verse 24, all that you do will be destroyed. Your enemies will come against you and you'll run from them. Verse 27, he'll strike you with boils, tumors, scab, itch. Verse 28, strike you with madness, blindness, confusion of... My Lord, is this good news? Aren't you glad you came this morning? Verse 45, moreover all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God, keep his commandments and his statutes. And verse 61 sums it up, verse 60 and 61 sums up the curses. He'll bring you back, he'll bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid they shall cling to you. Every sickness, every plague which is not written in this book of the law, the Lord your God will bring upon you until you are destroyed. If you're happy and you know it, my Lord. <laughs> Can we read the first part again? All right, now, turn with me to Galatians 3, quickly. Turn with me to Galatians 3. This is called the curse of the law. This is the curse of the law. The curse of the violated righteous standard of God Almighty. Look at Galatians 3. Are you of faith, verse 7? Yes or no? Are you of faith, verse 9? Yes or no, verse 10. For as many as are under the works of the law, if you're trying to get righteous by the works of the law, you're under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things written in the law. We are reading in Deuteronomy 28 the curse of the violated law. But now look down in verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do it? He became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus Christ took on himself at the cross all the cursing that you read about in Deuteronomy 28. The curses of the violated law. Jesus took all those, no wonder the cross was so despicable. He took all the curses of the violated law that we were guilty of. He took those curses on himself. Look at the next verse. So that, he took those curses so that what? The blessing of Abraham might come on Everybody say, that's me. In Christ Jesus. Jesus bore those curses to release those blessings to those who would stand righteously before him in faith. Everybody say it with me. Because of Jesus. Condemnation and destruction have been lifted from me. I am blessed with all the blessings. They belong to you. Hallelujah. 
Doesn't that make you appreciate the Lord more? He took all the wrath of God that had to be directed towards sin. Put you in a place of right standing and released the blessings to his sons and daughters as heirs and joint heirs. Everybody stand with me and let's say this together. Mighty Father, give me revelation of how much you love me. Thank you, Jesus, that you took the curses that belong to me because of my disobedience. And you have released the blessings, the blessings of Abraham in me and on me. Help me, Lord, in every area. And especially today, I am asking you to give me insight from your word as to what you want to do to make me the vehicle of blessing in the earth. Get me revelation of my covenant in grace to believe and obey. Even if I'm in a wilderness, I'm coming out by the grace of God into a new land, a new day, a new blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.